0: Marini's
1: Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, play Ya Ya Ding Dong. Eurovision, not in Glasgow. Lennon gives players the heave ho if they want to go. Who needs Messi when you've got Mackenzie? And Scotland get set for Israel. I'm Andrew Slavin, and this week. Joining me once again, the beautiful, the wonderful, the horny J.J. Bull. <laughs> How would you know that? I just went for horny because Bull, you know, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Do you know what I'm horny for? I'm horny for some European action. I think this is a terrible way to start a podcast for <laughs> anyone. Everyone's now raising yeah. their eyebrows. Um, and Let's make sure that's all they're, they're raising. Hey! Some, uh, uh, yeah, so some we had the Europa League draw um, That's on Monday. Some interesting ties for our Scottish teams, but they're all away. That's correct.
2: Yep, uh, Rangers got drawn against uh, what do they call them, Lincoln Red Imps. Lincoln Red
1: Imps. Yep, From Gibraltar. Gibraltar. They're going to the Rock again That'll because be nice. they've yep. been there before. I think didn't Saint they play Joseph's Celtic st- a while ago? They played. Yes, yeah, Lincoln Red Imps beat Celtic. It was Brendan Rodgers' first yeah. first competitive was. game as Celtic manager. And I think the goal scorer was a policeman. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, I, said, no, yes. like, I was like there. so many jokes to line up for that. I was dark with that game. That was a that was a yeah. It was an interesting well, day. Uh
2: Motherwell got coal rain in Northern Ireland, I do yeah. believe. And Aberdeen got drawn against Viking. Which is a great who, name. Yeah. I was, and they all wear Viking helmets on the pitch, which is controversial. But uh helps them with headers. <laughs> uh, <and> also horny. <laughs> <laughs> uh I think they are currently I'll just tell you, I think they're like tenth in the in the Norwegian League at the moment. Yeah, they are currently tenth because they're already sixteen games into their season. I mean I, I
1: should have found out if they had a pause or not. I can't remember they did. Well I'm I'm looking at this as albeit they're away fixtures. This is this is still a good... These are still good ties for Muddle, Aberdeen and Rangers.
2: Oh, yeah. It's certainly better. Like, Shamrock Rovers get drawn at home to AC Milan.
1: <laughs> oh, man. That's it. Do you know what? It's how, it. how, how, such a shame, though. There's not going to be any fans there.
2: Well, this <laughs> is the, it.
1: Like, those games are only good because they're definitely losing that. They're only good
2: when your fans can go and be yeah. you, talk about it for years and years after.
1: But, yeah, there, yeah, there we go. Well, fingers crossed we get through... Um, all of those ones But coming up this week We'll be deep diving into Celtic And the recurring Euro nightmare Laura Brannan's back as well today set Steve Clark's Very good Scotland squad Because he's a very he's, good manager He's a very good manager Yeah. So let's head first to Celtic Park
0: You're listening to The Totally Scottish Football Show In association with Paddy Power
3: McGregor Coming forward Bursting through and he's found James Forrest in a bit of room. Forrest can he get the shot away? Back comes
1: Labby Forrest finds the goal though. That is an absolute beauty of a finish from James Forrest. Celtic fired three past Motherwell in the week that they exited Europe but gained David Turnbull from the Lanarkshire side. Goals from Forrest, Ayeti and Julian sealed the three points for Celtic and it's a result that leaves Motherwell the only winless side in the Premiership. We'll talk Celtic in a moment with Kieran Devlin from The Athletic. So just a quick word on Motherwell, JJ. No wins yet, but, you know, it's a bit of a free pass against Celtic, but it's not It's not a good start for Motherwell. No wins, six games. That's worrying. They they few games to go, and you'd probably think, how do you get out of this mess?
2: Yeah, it's not ideal, obviously. I don't think it's disastrous. They're not going to get relegated or anything like that. But, I mean, I think the last season, like I said this before, I think... Aberdeen probably had pipped them to third because they were kind of losing a bit of form, and because they were playing really nice football, like possession based. It doesn't, if you don't cut through lines quickly enough when you're playing, I think you get like it just slows things down too much. And other teams can counter attack you, and you have to open up more to be able to play that way, which makes you more vulnerable. And all teams in Scotland sit deep, and then they launch it and get off second ball. But like you see, the way they defended against Celtic, so they, they switched to had a back three, which is obviously a, so you've got a five when you're defending, mm. but. Everyone was so passive. Like the first goal, is it McGregor that makes a run? Up the, yeah, up McGregor the, up the,
1: straight through the. Man, there's like of midfield.
2: two players who should have like bring, brought him down or just like pulled the shirt to something to stop it. You've, yeah. you've got to be more aggressive, way more aggressive. Like in that Josie documentary, sort of Spurs documentary uh, that's just come out. There's a he talks about how you need to be bastards for ninety minutes. It, like he dead right. That's how you win games. <laughs> and for all those goals that Celtic scored. There's clear little bits where a player could have done an extra bit. They could have pushed themselves a little bit more. Maybe they're not quite as fit as need to be because of what's all going on in that. But I think you... I mean, if I were Stephen Robinson, you'd be roaring. If it's football manager, you're going aggressive. I can't believe you, you've done that. I can't remember the phrases in the, in the game, but you, you know <laughs> the one. Just go hard. Yeah. And, uh, you can't... Especially against Celtic, right? you got well, to be absolutely. smashing to them.
1: It, yeah, it's... It, I I couldn't agree more with just be mother being a bit too passive, mm-hmm. um, but anyway let's let's turn to let's turn to Celtic and welcome to the show Scotland and Celtic writer for for the Athletic Kieran Devlin. Hi Kieran, look it's a mixed week for Celtic. How have you rated their start to the season so far? I guess
3: it's been mixed uh, to say the least. I feel that you know Lennon was very candid when he said that. They didn't have one of their objectives when they locked out the Champions League in the second round. It's the you know the earliest they've been knocked out in the second round since 2005 six when the infamous Bratislava <laughs> fixture when Gordon Strachan's first season. Um, and it's, it is fairly catastrophic when you're both in term financially. You know, it's the third consecutive season without Champions League football. Um, and it's roughly between fifteen and thirty million you can get there if you, you know by virtue of reaching the group stage not just in terms of the qualification money but from tic- you know ticket revenue and tv cash and stuff as well so but we'll get on to what that means in terms of the transfer window for Celtic a bit later i imagine but yeah it's that and you know there's been some some off off-note performances so far in the league but the second half of motherwell I mean, could be looked reflected on in a couple of months down the line as a small turning point but then, obviously, that you know they're only as good as your next game. So, we'll, we'll see how how things go from Ross County and onwards. But uh, yeah, mixed bag so far.
2: What have you made of the kind of, You wrote a piece in Athletic recently talking about the baffling team selections, formations
3: that Lennon's putting out. What do you think is going wrong at the moment? I think I think the the, the main issue is that the Celtic have four strikers. Three of them aren't match fit, and the fourth one clearly isn't rated enough to be a first-team striker, even when there's literally no one, or, no one else. Who like um, that. That is that? No, so, yeah, to, to specify, but that's probably good for, <laughs> good for radio, uh, Patrick Klamala. From what I was told when he arrived, like, people in Poland were baffled that Celtic had signed him because um, they didn't rate him very highly. And he didn't impress in training. But when pre <laughs> first-team training resumed in June after football was initially suspended you know he bulked up he'd added a bit of you know he had retained his pace and he was even finishing chances in training that he wasn't back when he first signed you know he's got a couple of goals in pre-season including a brace and hips in the final bounce game got a really well taken goal against Hamilton and it just it still didn't feel that like he can be the focal point you need Mm -hmm. and that one up top you know tactically his biggest weaknesses are still his hold-up play and his link-up play and I think you are doing, you know in stark contrast to Watson Edward, who's so clever in, in that way, he really struggles. But I think what was very apparent in the second half of the Motherwell game is because he's just a natural striker, because he's in, his movement is very natural. He's, the runs he makes behind Motherwell's defence stretches them, and he also gives a target for all the previously like, aimless, aimless crosses they had against Ferencvaros. Barros There was actually a target in the box for them to aim for. And because he was making these runs, he was stretching the defence, You know, it, re- it really helped just give a greater balance, a greater equilibrium to Celtic's build-up play. There was a greater confidence about you know, who was making these runs when, who, who was pressing when, who was occupying these spaces. They just had a better title, tactical cohesion to the team, I
1: guess. So what's been the reaction then be, among, among Celtic fans to their Brexit, shall we say? <laughs> but it's, it's not a full Brexit, it's just, it's just a half Brexit because they're going to Europa League. Because this is, is the Brexit? thing... You, you, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it would be... It should be Trexit. Trexit, yeah. But look, the, the thing is, it's, it's this baffling idea of not... Well, he, Neil Lennon put Ryan Christie up front, didn't he? And we saw against Motherwell, Christie far prefers being out wide and putting crosses in, and that was why you were seeing so many gaps um, in the centre-forward area. So what, is, is there a baffling... Are Celtic fans baffled by Lennon's decision-making at the moment? Yeah, yeah, they are.
3: Is <laughs> the is <as> the point <laughs> um, to, to, to try and clarify a bit? I think the, I think the, the striker solution is unideal, but you know air uh, begs qu- bigger questions, and maybe about the recruitment, about what's happening in training. If these guys are constantly. Not not fit. They're not available for the first team. Uh, You know, with Turnbull arriving, that's thirty five million Celtic have spent over the past fourteen months, which is an extraordinary amount of money for a Scottish team to spend in that window of time. Um, And they, you know, with that amount of money, they still didn't have a fit first team striker or that they rated um, on Sunday. I think there's there's a degree of patience being lost with Lennon because for all there's so much hype around this being the the potential tenor season. European football is massive both in terms of what it means, I guess, from a reputational perspective for Celtic, for Celtic fans, but also what it means in terms of player retention. If we're going into like the, the transfer window, the club was clear with agents and with scouts that it was all about player retention. It was about keeping their key players for the 10-in-a-row season. But there was a, probably about a 50-50 chance of being able to keep players like Edward Iron and Cham before Champions League elimination. Um, there was... It's possible, if not probable, that one of those guys would have gone beforehand. Now, afterwards, obviously with the financial situation and also with players a bit more unsettled, then you're probably looking up to maybe even three. So it's got the the transfer window very quickly evolved from
1: keeping key players to possibly a really high player turnover at this point. You know, you were talking about player retention. Lennon made a comment after the Ferenc Varos game, um that you know if if some of you don't want to be here leave so it does seem like one of those three might be might be gone especially when you mentioned the, the amount of money Celtic have spent they would want to recoup some of that um but who's pro- edward seems like the most most value um to get off the books at the moment but that wouldn't be the wisest decision would it uh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah as, as like a
3: runaway Celt- Celtic's best player and also the, you know, the prime attacking asset. I feel, from what I understand, Edouard isn't one of, the, one of the guys who explicitly wants to leave this window. I think it's very contingent on various other factors. Champions League was very important to him, but I don't think it was the deciding factor necessarily. Two, the two players that Lennon was alluding to, I think, were Encham and Ayer just um, from what I could have inferred from speaking to people who were in the club and some agents, etc., Which is, is kind of strange because I do think in Cham and I have been two of Celtic's better performers <laughs> in, in recent games. Um, I don't think they were uh, directly culpable for their eliminations uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they're probably the two most likely to leave this window and you'd see there's some like decent fees for them. I'd be, if they were both to go... It seems to suggest that Celtic maybe wouldn't get thirty plus million for the two of them uh, combined, which would be you know a pre- pretty good going considering they cost less than five million a pair of them mm-hmm. before. So it's a twenty five million profit. It's not too bad off a couple of years investment in them. Uh, yeah, I think keeping Edward is going to be the biggest talking point for Celtic for the next five weeks. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be in all, all the papers. It's going to be in. All the you know the news now, all the news aggregation sites, all social media. It's just going to be linked. going to be linked with every Premier League club. Yeah, people are going to be bored of Edward to X team <laughs> by the end of this. They're going to be absolutely sick of it. But you know, as from a Celtic fan perspective, as long as he's still in Glasgow,
1: then they don't care. Kieran Devlin of the Athletic there. Motherwell then rooted to the bottom of the table But one team in that second half of the table Had a stunning win And a stunning goal Kabamba Again willing runner Substitute Mitch Pinnock Pinnock will play out wide onto to Kilty
2: Kilty's got a man in the box Two behind him And it's a beautiful finish
1: Rory McKenzie The substitute That was gallus. Good performances But no results Had been Kelly's season Until Saturday When they thumped Dundee United 4-0 And ended Their 10 match Winless run Did not see Uh, this coming Well I did I did tip this game to be full of goals Because I think Kilmarnock and Dundee United In previous meetings Before Dundee United Were were relegated Had like Something like 15 goals Out of their last Three meetings But nevertheless (laughs) There's only one place To start JJ Rory McKenzie What a goal Yeah it's
2: lovely isn't it I, oh, I think stunning. they talked about it on a sports scene, being it like a Lionel Messi kind of. Kind they talked about it Saturday and Sunday night. Heavily. The thing is, you, <laughs> you can't you
1: can't try that shot unless you're already three nil up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're Do right. Know what I mean, you probably kind of, receive it and then you look for another pass. You wouldn't even attempt it outside the box. Because you're just like,
2: yeah, three nil up. I might as well have a go. You know, when it's it's so if you're standing outside the box and the ball drops to you, um, no matter where you play, it's the law that you have to volley it. Yeah. So that's one of the things This Mackenzie, it was sat so perfectly for him to hit it like that So he, I guess he had to take it on But I think if it hadn't been 3-0 If it was 1-1 or something, I, I don't know if he would have done it The thing that is though ballsy.
1: In this game, Dundee United had a lot of the ball It wasn't that Kilmarnock were all over Dundee United It was kind of the other way around That's a Kelly uh, play, though I mean that's how they set up And I think, um, I really think it was mistakes
2: that Dundee United made I think Killy played well And they did exactly what Dyer wanted them to do that sounds like That Simpson's bit Don't do what Donnie Does Do <laughs> you know <a> it? <laughs> I, I don't remember Don't do what bit, Donny though. Don't does uh, But yeah Dyer would have set them up like, to, to play like this So they don't need the ball like, You control the game Without the ball It's very Jose Mourinho you know, Talking about him again He's got He's on my brain After watching that documentary earlier <laughs> uh, Yeah And the mistakes I mean the Connolly mistake Where he gets tackled By Kabamba And he, he runs through Just shouldn't have done it He, he should have been yeah. Quicker with the first touch there's a couple of. Um, there's a really good point that Neil McCann put on Sports Scene, talking about how Reynolds loses track of his Manchester half second before Kapama gets the header for the first. Mm-hmm. But you see, there's this little tiny mistakes, and the way Killier set up is to take advantage of those. But they don't get those mistakes. The games are very
1: low scoring, but when they but happen, it's, it, that's what you call it. It's ruthlessness as well, though. But just like you say, we were obviously happy for Dundee United to have the ball, mm-hmm. but that, that only comes with confidence when you've got two strikers up front. Um, which which um Alex Dyer said he you know, he hadn't went for two strikers um until this game, so Kabamba and Eamon Brophy up front. And it just seemed to kind of prove that when they were in that final third it looked like they were gonna score. And so they scored four. But Dundee United don't have that. You know, Lauren Shanklin's been out, um Nikki Clark has been scoring their goals, but I know one's been from the penalty spot. They just don't have that ruthlessness at the moment, albeit they seem to be putting in good good performances and showing a lot of work rate you have to be getting into that final third and being dangerous Um, But then I think had nine shots on target from 15 so but Dundee United was 66% of the possession it's just not it's not good enough when you've got the possession and you can't turn it into goals
2: no I don't think it reads like that at all man because I think it's like this right so it's very rare you're playing as two strikers anyway especially with a back four and Dundee United has switched between a three and a four this season so Mm -hmm. they've played a four in this game so straight away your two centre backs are busy And then that means Butcher's got to come back and help him out. But when you have the ball, you have to make the pitch wide and you depth them with. So you make a pitch wide, you spread open, and that makes you vulnerable to counterattacks. It Mm -hmm. also makes you vulnerable to any mistake. So like Connolly's the only man there. no one near him. No one to to make a recovery run and and help him out. So that's the kind of thing that that happens with this. And then sure enough, it's like ruthless finishing, but it's not like they're creating... Like Kabam just steals the ball from him and scores. It's not like they created the chance, right? The and from wide, I think Greg Kilty had a good game as well on this. Like, yeah, he, was, yeah. he did really well. But like, once they made mistakes, and they went behind. So like, the goal that Cabamba scored, great header. Like it was like an Alan Shearer style header. Um, I can't remember the second goal. What was that one? It was, uh, it was, it was Brophy. It was Brophy, like a really tidy finish across the way, right? So then if you want to get back in the game, you've got to then push forward even more, try and get in. So at 3-0, you've got to push and open up. And then that's the mistake with Connolly. And then, Mm. of course, you've got McKenzie chipping him from 30 yards, which you can't really account for. No one's done anything wrong there. So it's just kind of a a bit of circumstance. When you play a 4-4-2, the the strikers are there, sure enough, so you can hit one long and they can knock it off to there. They're actually mainly there for your defensive play. So you can, like those two block the middle of the pitch to show the ball wide, so you can then control where the ball goes that way. So I think that just played into how Dundee United were trying to play, but they just couldn't get through it. I think if you played that game again, another two times which they'll do <laughs> the score will be different both times <laughs>
1: interesting well it's a result that leaves Kilmarnock and Dundee United next to each other on the table um, but towards the top Hebs lost their unbeaten record against Aberdeen and we're going to chat about that next
0: This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slavon. listen to it totally ad free via The Athletic
1: a Lewis Ferguson penalty, the difference between Aberdeen and Hibs on Sunday evening and moves the Dons up to fourth in the table. Slightly comical penalty given away by Martin Boyle. Um, <laughs> I don't know, he just funny. loves the ball. He just loves to keep it at his feet. But then when it comes to clearances, he should really avoid players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You kicked the um, wrong a, thing. Another Lewis Ferguson penalty and another win for Aberdeen, JJ. You must be a happy, happy lad. I told you, you put 1-0 Aberdeen to win every week and you're <laughs> and you're in the money,
2: baby. Although,
1: yeah. I uh, think all their wins have been 1-0, wasn't
2: it? Or there was I a think 2-1 living... in sleep. the history of Derek McInnes, yes, they have been all 1-0. <laughs> uh, I also think this is the best I've seen Aberdeen play in months. Interesting. And then, actually, if we take away the whole coronavirus thing, you know about that... Uh, in like huh? even longer, like a year or so. It's just everything looked so much better and I think uh one why of the was key that then well Ash Taylor was nowhere near the f- theme for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so he couldn't shell the ball at yours every time he got it. But uh, the real key and I think you'll if you you watch the game did you the Hibbs game? Yeah watch yeah. the game yeah. Um <laughs> Ross McCrory who I always want to call Rory McCrory. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know why. It was funny. It's a real mistake from their parents Man, Rory McCrory and Lewis Ferguson in that midfield That is like a Premier League In future level midfield Lewis Ferguson's going to be a great player Already is mm. And they've got the right attitude, the right mentality Rory McCrory <laughs> Is also clearly a level above um, Everyone on that team And it makes everyone better Look how good Ryan Hedges looks all of a sudden Scott it's Wright funny. looks
1: decent And Lincoln's so well It's funny because Derek McInnes' post-match When he talked about Rory McRory <laughs> Oh, this is going to Sorry, last. Ross. This is definitely Sorry, last. Ross, um, yeah. He, he was—he's obviously buzzing to have him involved. He said he's been following him for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing is, for any player, when you have a manager that's so enthusiastic about you. Um, it, it clearly showed in the pitch Because he was He was everywhere Just niggling Niggling um, Hibs midfielders oh, Starting plays His positioning and His everything.
2: timing Of runs at Everything Yeah man I mm-hmm. totally agree Like, Because he, he's that exactly, He's always in the right place At the right time He's playing mm-hmm. in like A holding the field role But he was even like When there was a gap To where the pressure started higher up He would run to make it Which is what clever players do because it's sure if you can t- teach them that on the training ground, but what, you just need a player to step in and do it. Also, the ball is going short to midfield. You don't always have to do that, but it's so yeah. important to keep the ball doing that. And then you it, had- wasn't,
1: it, wasn't, it wasn't perfect though, JJ, because you know, if we talk about Hibs, it's their no. first defeat of the season. Hibs fan Ross Quinn wrote in uh, basically mm-hmm. saying, I, as a Hibs fan, saw this defeat coming. We've not been perfect, but winning games. And in this one, we seem to have a bit more of the game, but still lost do you think that Europe is too much to achieve? Europe aside, I think it, it's a good it's a good hallmark to have when you're not playing well and winning games. Um, but Hibs had their chances in this game as well, um, but it was kind of a lot of credit to, to Aberdeen that they nullified a lot of those chances and didn't make it easy for them. Yeah,
2: Hibs. what chances do they really have, though? I mean, there was the one where Lewis didn't catch the cross, and there was then... They
1: had the, yeah, there was that one, and but then that's not really Martin a chance. Boyle again. Were, were,
2: uh, Boyle had a shot, yeah. I mean, the... Like, Hibs is a good players and like I said I really rate Hibs and I think Jack Ross is going to be a good manager for them and I think they'll finish I think they'll be pushing for fourth and third yeah, um, I think honestly just adding Rory McCrory to, to the Aberdeen team makes them just a little bit better and you can see why Hibs are so desperate to get him in but, and missing Gogic was massive in that game for them because they didn't have that Like they weren't Hallbergs trying to try and do the defensive stuff maybe Newell trying to do it as well Scott Allen came in because Ross maybe thought that he'd be able to make a difference, but Aberdeen's kept them dead. They couldn't get on the ball. And I think Hibbs want to play in the counter, but Aberdeen won't let them do that. And then you saw, like, it's really hard for Hibbs to defend against. You had Hedges, Wright, Watkins, Hayes, even, Kennedy, just all swapping positions constantly. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to work out where they're coming from. You but brought like, up a good point about yeah. Alex
1: Gorgich because um, he he tested positive for coronavirus um through the the SFA kind of set up and then was was at they then had to do a, a private test via the NHS which then came back twice negative so jack ross has kind of been very critical of the SFA protocol because he should have be been he said right? at 10 he said at 10:30 p.m. Friday night he still hadn't had guidance from the SFA that whether or not they could train on a Saturday um, so Hibbs themselves made the decision that there would be no training on the, on the Saturday so they miss a day of training, they have a player who is negative but they cannot play him so it throws your whole game plan out the window yeah, 24 hours before the game is supposed to play so i have some sympathy but still i i, I don't think you can you can ever pin any game on on missing one player
2: uh, uh, i don't know cause i I I think you can absolutely messy at barcelona but you like Gog- <laughs> is not that good i li- I do like him but it just changes the way your team set up if you don't have that defensive balance it changes how the attacks work it changes where you can I mean, the standouts for Hibbs in that game. I thought, like Josh Doig is is already some player, and I think Flagged him done, earlier on this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm really he excited did. about him.
1: But anyway, we'll see if the break does Hibbs any good. Um, but it's time for another one 0 Serrano
2: looking for a bit of quality into the middle. He gets it, and he gets the header from
1: John Guthrie, and the big defender with a telling contribution. Livingston won Ross County nil. It's a result that angered Ross County manager Stuart Kettlewell. Um it was John Guthrie with the winner. But JJ, should it have been allowed to stand? Because Kettlewell claimed that Ross Stewart is actually being fouled, and the fact that Guthrie claimed to meet the header. But but Ross Stewart was involved in a similar action. He he was deemed to have been fouling in the play.
2: Yeah, and he said that was a foul and the other one wasn't, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So What's your
2: thoughts? Well, it's the tumble of Scottish refereeing, where <laughs> you can put the same action in and get a different result every time. But I do think they're actually like, yeah, they're slightly, they are slightly different. And I agree with the, uh, I think it was Neil McCann's uh, take on it on Sports Team Saturday when he says that the first one, Stewart's got his hands holding down the Livingston player, so he cannot jump, which is why yeah. that's a foul. And the second one, when you're in amongst that box, like. You're, you are touch tight to people, especially if you're doing a man mark system. You have to be, so you're there. But when you jump, and you take your hands off, <laughs> so they can still they can still get up to jump at it. Yeah. I yeah. think it's I think it's okay. I think it stands.
1: Yeah, but I, I I tend to agree. What was it? The second that where the goal came from, Guthrie was actually kind of sandwiched in between two Ross yeah. County players. So yeah. it was one of those where. Ah, they're, they're two completely different incidents, as much as hands were on the shoulders. I guess it's it's how you interpret it. But It's so minute. It
2: was, I mean, if it's against my team, it uh, should not be allowed. And if it happens for my team, then it should 100% be
1: allowed. Yeah. Um, but look, Ross County also had Carl Tremarco sent off. Your fantasy football cards. star. Oh, He's not in my team anymore. Oh, OK. Yeah, not in my team anymore, because he wasn't really starting. Um, and I'm glad he's not in there anymore, still. Yes. Pretty harsh with the first one um, because goalkeeper sold him under the river. He tried to get him out. I can't remember who he fouled, but the second one's just unfortunate as well. I think Tramarco's really unlucky to be, to be getting sent off because the but, second one he just gets beat uh, by pace from, from Devlin. I think it that's is. That's right, yeah. They'll throw him to line and he just can't take him. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, good. I don't think he means to like take him out. I think it's just the pace that Devlin's going at and Tromakul just gets across and clips him a little bit, but that wasn't deliberate. It's a yellow card, and it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Um, we also saw Lars Lokosh from Livingston uh, coming in. This was a a lad that they were hoping to replace Lyndon Dykes, um, but I think we only saw one flash of him in this game. Do you see that? I think it was a header that was kind of clean, but straight at the goalkeeper. Um, I think we've yet to see how good he's actually going to be. Oh yeah, no idea. From, yeah, like the third division.
2: Yeah There's Jeremy a bit Lachlan of stuff in him in And he's just a striker So we'll see But it, it, his name does sound cool AF When they shout it out Lacoste. They sounded great And it's alliterated
1: Lars
2: LaCosche Yeah he old, That's the kind of name that you'd have Of the handsome foreign player Who comes in to a, like a sitcom football team Who <laughs> uh, you hate at first but God you, damn
1: it Lars
2: oh my, <laughs> <laughs> A very camp sitcom <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and he learned a bit later on you learn that uh, he just has some, some stuff in his, in his back story that means he had to be mean to you so then they become friends anyway
1: let's go into the next game <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite Rory McCrory. we all no. get a sitcom Rory and Lars, Lars uh, but enough of that two matches to go and we're going to the top of the table Rangers
0: you're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Media and The Athletic
1: Davis's ball, it's off the bar, but in from Hadji! Rangers in front! Yeah, once again, Steven Gerrard came out attacking his side's lack of ruthlessness in front of goal, but Rangers were still able to claim three points thanks to the two goals that they got in five minutes from Haji and Tavernier. Solid enough win for Rangers, but do you share the, the same kind of concern? Because at the end of the day, they still scored two goals, and Okay, the amount of chances they had, Gerard should be expecting more. But they won two now. No, it's all right,
2: isn't it? I could completely agree with Gerard that that is exactly the reason that we said at the start of the season why we think Rangers might not close the gap to Celtic because they're not like killing teams off. Mm. It's really important that they do this, and there's things like there's like a header that Roof hit that he should just you have to put that on target. At least it has to go on target to score. It flew over the bar, didn't it? it really yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure enough you like you miss these, but I, I get the feeling that if it was nil nil or the last few minutes um, and one one or something like that, right? That's when maybe they'd step up and score those. But you have to play at that level the whole time if you're mm. going to win stuff, which is what Rangers are trying to do. So I can like, Gerrish is trying to like batter into them because if they don't play with that kind of mentality, they'll end up. It's like they'll miss a couple of chances and then, like, see they score two, right? And all it would have taken is something daft to happen. Hamilton score and then Hamilton get a random corner and that's them. That's them in like two all. Like you, you can't rest on it. And the match chances are getting that Ryan Kent is brilliant again, just doing everything, pulling it apart. But the boys, at the t- other just right at the top end, could really do with the. It's not even like
1: need to practice. It's just being ruthless, right? Sure, but you you still have so many overloading players. Like uh, you mentioned, Ryan Kent. I love the idea that when you have these wide players coming in, the fullbacks seem to cut in. So you got a goal from Tavernier. But even even in the build up to that to the first goal for Hadji, you had Barisic getting into the box as well. There's a yeah. real um, determination to flood the box with with um, uh, players to to try and get goal scoring opportunities. It's, Rangers are so attacking, but I I see what you're saying. They should be killing teams off. Twenty four shots I think they had.
2: Yeah. They've got great players and they're making chances. It's just that like I don't know how you how you coaches into someone. You just can't have someone who's like they're determined to win. They're obviously like really talented players and and they solve Hamilton pretty easily. But that should have been four or five nil. Sure. But it's like, another
1: clean sheet, six in a row. It's a record of clean sheets from a time that Celtic made in like nineteen oh six or something like that, but I mean, still impressive nonetheless. Six clean sheets in a row, um, and I think Hellander coming back um, is is a real bonus. They've obviously got Leon Balagan just sitting there, um, ready to come in if required. I wonder His if he'll come injured. back in. I like Balagan a lot. Like he got injured, obviously. He, he,
2: I think he. I want to see whether he come back straight in when he's ready. Because sure, Hellander's I mean, done, think...
1: done really well. Hellander's, Hellander's a very, very, very good player. I really like him a lot, especially next to Connor Goldson. Rangers are looking really good, at, at, probably better in defence, and they're getting the goals just enough time. But let's talk about Hamilton. Brian Rice bringing in Regan Mimno and Andrew Winter. Are these players really getting it up to the speed? I know we got Mimno got a, an assist um, last week. Is it still a waiting game for Hamilton? You just have to pick their moment to pick up some points.
2: They're going to finish 10th. <laughs> How many more times have they got to say it? I I agree with Brian Rice. He says after this game, like, they, they did well. They, their heads didn't drop. They didn't capitulate when they went 2-0 down. They kept in it because it was a short space of time. Like, when the first one went in, he went, oh, here we go, Right. Mm. But they kept in it. Young team, I think. Like, even the captain's twenty four. The boy McCann, who he's had a decent season so far as well, actually. McMahon, sorry, not McCann. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, they just know they're going to finish tenth. We talk about the same thing every single week with Hamilton. Good young players need to get on it really soon, so they're not going to fall away. Brian Rice is a great coach.
1: They're not that bad a team in there. Like Fulton seems to be quite decent in goals as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, yeah. just one more match to go. St Johnston won, St Mirren nil. Uh, St Johnston toppling St Mirren with Stevie May scoring the only goal of the game. He's back. He is. He's back. Um, although temporarily, he, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have scored because Nathan Sheridan should have just just stuck his foot out and just blocked the cross. It was actually right there for him, <laughs> and he just leaves it. Uh, but Jim Goodwin came out uh, after this match saying that. There are eight teams in the Premiership that can beat each other on any given day, um, but does that make for an exciting race for the top six? In your opinion, yes. <laughs> Who's Absolutely. your picks for getting there? Then,
2: well, I think. I mean, I, I think it seems pretty clear that it's going to be uh, Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibbs in the yeah. top four, uh, in whatever order you want. Motherwell could pull into it, so they they're probably come back eventually because they've got there's too many good players there to not. And then. It's just a stromash of everyone else, like, like Ross County are decent in the day. Dundee United are much better than losing four nil. Kilmarnock look okay in that game again. They might be okay. Livingston are decent. It's everyone's pretty much the same, yeah, and all the games are one nil and two ones, right? So,
1: yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's all over the shop at the moment.
2: Although weirdly, I didn't think St Johnson would win this either. But then I, I think I'm overrating St Mirren. I think I've I think I've made a mistake here.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what I can say about this game to be honest I only saw the highlights um, and by all reports St Johnston were by far the better team, even Jim Goodwin said so himself yeah. but I, I am interested to see how Callum Davidson progresses this St Johnston team because obviously the job that he has taken over a side that Tommy Wright has had for so long, obviously Davidson was, was, was under Tommy Wright himself um, a wee while ago and now he's in the top job himself how is he going to make this team any better um and he, he needed this one. i think davidson really really needed it because it wasn't a great start but there were still positive things in 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 their style of play i think there was what is his name callum hendry needs to be a bit more um clinical in front better. of <laughs> much yeah just better um but i it's really like the there. look yep. of 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 matt Namara, the fullback they've brought in from millwall um looks like he's a a decent decent player and could get better um, especially providing crosses into the box, so th- there are quite a few good shoots of um, promise for St Johnston. But St Mirren will be disappointed. I was actually surprised that Goodwin just kind of took this result as as a kind of like, ah, oh, well, we we just went went at the races sort of thing. I, I would expect him to be a bit more aggressive in his language.
2: I'm sure he was with his players, but when you talk to the press, you just want to get through it, just move yeah. on to the next one, not get too rattled by it not make it a big deal of it just reset take in what's happened and go to the next bit and mm-hmm. in terms of Johnston progressing as well I mean they finished last season on the points per game thing they finished 6th apparently yeah. so an improvement would be above that which would be really hard so yeah, I think harsh just, actually yeah. yeah just maintaining it'd it it would be
1: hard to expect to expect any higher than that yes um, but anyway we shall wait and see uh, that's the weekend done actually so we're going to the international break next um, and we're going to chat Steve Clark because he's a very good manager. Uh, talk about his Scotland squad. Let's see if they're going to be a very good team. Um, so we're going to speak to Tartan Army's biggest band next.
0: This is a Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad free via The Athletic.
1: Laura Brannan's back. Because we can't talk about Scotland international football without you Hello Laura
0: Hello,
4: how are you?
1: All good um, Straight off the bat, Steve Clark, very good manager Are you happy with the team he's picked?
4: Yes, I think I'm actually quite happy with it There's not really too many surprises, is there?
1: Not really, no I mean, we, we're kind of unsure how he's going to set up But probably we'll have all the midfielders <laughs> No defence <laughs> Just shove them and, all in <laughs> Yeah, exactly um, is there anyone that you think could have squeezed into the squad or?
4: i mean i'm I'm gonna slightly... just pick a mother play That's the thing i was I was gonna be slightly biased because obviously, I see them play week in, week out. I kind of would have liked to have seen Alan Campbell get given a chance because he's kind of on that brink now of mm-hmm. getting too old for the under twenty ones. Whens' his chance really gonna to come to get into the first team, especially with the under twenty ones only having one competitive game coming up, So I thought well, he could at least join the the first team training and then go away for the under-21 game next week after the Israel game. So it's a wee bit disappointing to not see him involved in that sense. Um, does it count if I say David Turnbull as well, now that he's not a Motherwell player? <laughs> so, of course it <laughs> could. Yeah. So, yeah, again, same kind yeah. of reason. I, I think it's, it's kind of a good time to get him involved as well. But to be honest, largely across the board. Um, I did see that Ryan Fraser wasn't included. I'm not sure why, what the reason was for that. I assume it's a good reason so, he hasn't
2: played football for so long, has he? He's been that's disappointing for ages, because yeah. if I
4: was picking my eleven, then he would probably be in my starting eleven. So that was a wee bit annoying. But no, apart from that, I was Shankland kind of rose, raised a few eyebrows, I think, because he hasn't kicked a ball for so long, which kind of made me think. I heard Steve Clark saying that, well, if Shankland declares himself fit, I've got full trust in him that he'll be able to do a job for us. But then in the next question, he said. I don't want Stephen Naismith in my squad because he's not played football for so long. So I kind of see them as similar players at this stage. Um, neither of them have really played since before lockdown. So it was a wee bit odd. I wasn't surprised in the slightest to see him pulling out, obviously, through injury. I guess that
2: could be that Shanklin's kind of young... Well, he's much younger than Naismith, and so you get the experience for the future, whereas Naismith is older and likely to take longer to recover from injury or... But that's the same That's the same for, for Turnbull.
1: Is he, is he too young to even be... In the
2: setup, I but there's so many midfielders that are good, uh, like ahead of them just now. That's the thing. Like I agree with Laura and those two players. I like the same as well. But then you can't then take out McGregor no, again. I'm or McGann, definitely or saying or that these players the or... should
4: start. I, I don't expect them to play, but it would be nice to give them the experience. To get to, get them meet the boys, that, yeah. to kind of get to know them, to kind of get used to the environment and stuff. And yeah, see and what I level they think, should be yeah, at. I, think, I don't think age is really ever an argument. I think if you're good enough, then you're old enough. And Turnbull is definitely but good a enough. Number.
1: <laughs> but look, we've got we've got Israel first, then we've got the Czech Republic. What what is your hope? are you quite confident about getting results in these games?
4: I mean, confident. Yeah, I'm just a bit kind of. I'm not too excited about these fixtures just now. I think why? it's maybe something to do with the fact that there's going to be no fans at the games. Um, mm. Yeah, because <laughs> you can't go, isn't it? That's why. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like the football is nothing about fans, and I I just I see the argument. Like, like I I get the. It, we have Does, to that, make the nervous, Does um, that make you more nervous then? Does that make
1: you more nervous? Do you think Scotland will play better with fans or without No,
4: them? I don't think so. I think just now almost my, my mentality is uh it's just a nations league, which is not really what my psyche is. My psyche is very much we have to win every game, even if it's a friendly, but I'm just look it'll be different when the when kickoff happens. But right now, even the playoff, I'm just a bit uh, like I just don't want these games to be getting played right now. I, I just mm. wish we could hold off until like the, the March international break and stuff to play more so the playoff to be honest than the Nations League but so I'm a wee bit kind of more relaxed than normal up to, towards games but as you're saying I mean it's we've got three games against Israel coming up and we've played them twice recently as well so I don't think we should be afraid of them and I think we should kind of be very well adverse to how they're going to be lining up and performing against us.
1: We had um, Grant Jendo uh, got in touch with us, shown real confidence in Steve Clark's uh, very good management because he's a very good manager. He says, "Why shouldn't we be European yeah, champions?"
4: Um, I mean,
2: I like well, I was saying, we shouldn't. Why shouldn't we? I mean, the reason is because everyone <laughs> will be drunk think, for a I think, year. I think we
4: also kind of need to qualify first. <laughs> yeah. Can we also maybe remember we've not uh, actually got yeah. there yet? <laughs> but um, I mean, one, one, if once once we're there, <laughs> we're going I'm going to. to win it. <laughs> But oh, let's get through the playoffs first.
1: <laughs> well, remember Greece? Greece were eighty to one to win the Euros in uh, two thousand and four. Uh, Scotland are five hundred to one. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh <laughs>
1: it's my worth God. A pound,
4: Come on. <laughs> so if we just
1: talk about the team selection again, what's your preferred lineup? Who do you want to start up front? Should we be looking at, at Lyndon Dykes, or should he just be in the squad? And the thing is, I, I see him playing because. If he doesn't play, then he's still eligible eligible to play for Australia. Um, yeah. So if we get him on I, the pitch, then he's ours forever.
4: I mean, I didn't personally put him into my starting eleven. Um, although, to be honest, I've, I'm kind of as I was saying about Fraser there, I'm kind of missing a player. To be honest, I've got ten in my team right now. I'm, <laughs> so if you want to help me out here, <laughs> fill my my, my spot. Um, they're I all remember, left backs. Marshall, and goal. Um, my back four. I've, I'm gonna, I'm doing a four-two-three-one. Um, my back four is Tierney at right back. But flexible on whether that then changes to Steve O'Donnell and we put Kieran Tierney in instead of Cooper in centre-half. So I'm a wee bit flexible on that one. I mean, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to put Declan Gallagher in regardless.
1: Is any of this based on (laughs) any knowledge of the opposition?
4: Not in the slightest. This is purely on my Scotland team if I was Scotland manager. (laughs) Nobody wants me as Scotland manager, so it's not going to be a team that wins. (laughs)
1: I don't know about that. JJ, what do you have to say to that?
2: I don't know. I, I just don't think we've got very good, very good players. I was thinking, before we don't, uh, please let's not go into a Robertson and Tierney thing, but I really think Robertson could play left uh, on the left of any of these things and double up as a fifth defender when they come back. So Tierney can play left-back. I, I don't think you should mess around with people out of position. But you also want right to play back, systems that people, like you need have to have someone.
1: people know.
2: Yeah, but that's easy. You just I mean, I think... Like, a 4-5-1, 4-2-3-1 is probably what we should play, I think, probably the right way. I mean, Clark could probably get us to, to sing and dance to a 4-4-2, four, four, really compact, but the problem we've got with that is, obviously, they don't have any strikers, so, no.
4: Well, I, I, I mean, I'm skipping ahead, but I've actually put Christie up front in my team.
2: Well, you could play him alongside a, a taller man, a big and little kind of thing, I guess, it might work, but I like him as a false name, thing thing, yeah, well, I like Christie a
4: lot. From what,
1: what I've seen of Christie in the last two games... The one against Farros, which they lost, and then against Motherwell, he didn't. He didn't seem to lead the yeah. line as such. He does go out wide, and he. I think he put in the most amount of crosses. But he wouldn't need weekend, to. He's got a. And that's not what you line. want from a centre forward. So I don't think he's. Although I, I I'm kind of with you. I agree no, with but you. but You can play he him next to he can someone play else. That position, but he needs to learn that position before he can actually you know be comfortable and competent. Yeah, I mean it. we're also
4: kind of lucky in the sense we've got the likes of Forrest and McGregor as well who can all sort of switch around in terms of that kind of middle, that front three who's pushing off in terms of further forward so I'd be kind of comfortable with any of them really in an attacking sense but as I've seen it was Fraser was obviously my other player in the three so I've got a gap there and behind them I would play probably McGinn and McTominay
1: what about what about this thing we, we mentioned last week? The, the idea of you know the Premier League players that haven't played any football for a very long time, compared to some of the Scottish players that have been playing competitive football for what six weeks now, could we see Clark playing more Scottish Premiership players than players that are playing down in England? So I'm saying you know omitting the likes of of uh, McLean, McTominay, McGinn, for instance, and, and having the likes of more Christie, Forrest. Uh, Ryan Jack involved
4: Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's the thing cause, like, Even when I was kind of looking at my team I was thinking, oh, McTominay, Jack Who will I go for there? And that might get someone like Jack The kind of advantage in that sense There's guys like Andy Robertson Is always going to play regardless I would probably say the same for John McGinn though, To be fair And considering this is a team that We're hoping to shape to play In the playoff in a month's time I, I wouldn't want to see it too different but then there's also that kind of fear of you know if we get thrashed next week the the confidence going into the playoff will be so low if you've played a what looks like a first team there's also vice versa as well if we go and beat them everyone may get a wee bit complacent ahead of the playoff and go well we won there so so they yeah. set up for next month which is never the case
1: and I don't know I don't know what this these next two games really mean in regards to the Nations League you know what what's how important are these two games in our group do we know
4: So this is part of the Nations League which if you think we think that we are in the playoffs just now for the Euros because of the Nations League so this, it's a similar path in that sense. It's glorified friendlies with an incentive at the end of it to then qualify for the World Cup, which would be in 2022. I can't do my maths that quickly. Um, yeah, the Qatar World Cup. So it gives us another another leg, really. Um, and it's it's always good for Scotland to have an alternative chance to qualify for something <laughs> if we don't succeed in the first attempt.
1: And this is it because we we got promoted, right? We we were in. I agree, except that. I don't think there'll still be a world in 2022. Let's hope. Maybe not in Qatar. Anyway, thanks, Laura. Um, Fingers crossed you do end up enjoying these games.
4: (laughs) I'm sure I will. I'm sure I'll be on next week arguing about everything that's happened in the both of the matches.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, I'll see you then. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Time for the odds with Paddy Power and producer Abbey. Abby, we've just been talking about Scotland's chances in the Nations League, so tell us what the bookies at Paddy Power say.
0: Well, they are the favorites Scotland against Israel, that's the first match on Friday. Scotland are 8 to 11 to win this one, Israel 7 to 2. As for the match on Monday against the Czech Republic, it's not uh, in their favor. They are 7 to 2 to win that one, Scotland, but Czech Republic odds on 6 to 4.
1: Ah. Uh, well, we've been talking about the top 6 and there being eight teams who on any given day seem capable of beating each other. So who's joining Celtic and Rangers in the top six?
0: So as JJ said, it's uh, Aberdeen and Hibs are the favourites, to uh, 1-16 and 1-12 to to be in there. Then it is St Johnston who are the next favourites, which must be representative of their uh, form from last year. They're 11-8 to 8 to be uh, in the top six and... Perhaps a big surprise here, Dundee United are the uh, sixth favourites to be uh, in that top half of the table, six to four. Motherwell, who of course finished third last year, they're only seven to four. And uh, Livingston, two to one, who also finished in the top six last season.
1: Dundee United, you must be taking the mickey. Uh, Well, I'm sure that'll change throughout the season. Thanks, Abby, And remember, please gamble responsibly. It's over 18s only, and when the fun stops, stop. Before we end, uh, we're going to finish off with a little FFS. um, But obviously, there's not going to be any fantasy football for a wee bit, with it being international break. It may well be worth looking at your team and deciding who the big players are going to be in the next coming weeks. So, JJ, have you got anyone that you've got an ion that you're going to bring in because if I look at myself, I'm in a horrific state right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been knocked off top spot in our little individual lead. Yeah. I've still got Nisbet injured, Edward injured, and Tremarco has been sent off um, in my team. I can't. Believe, I thought I got rid of him, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but this is why you should pay attention. Um, don't have kids, folks. It really takes your mind off things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyone you you're going to be bringing in? I mean the only
2: ones that are new That you could have in Is uh, Jamie Murphy of Wales Has joined Hibs from Rangers <laughs> uh, <laughs> And um, in case anyone doesn't know what that joke is Sky Sports put his name up To come on as a sub for Hibs uh, With a Welsh flag next to his name Obviously he's not Welsh
1: And uh, also Yusuf Malumbu is back Yeah that, that Again high, sco- high scoring attacking midfielder Yusuf Malumbu <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Um, I'm not
2: sure like Aberdeen 1-0 to win every single week is a good bet so you could put Ferguson in now he's on the penalties uh, I'm not sure what's going on with injuries to Edward and Celtic striker situation and they don't seem to be playing very well but you don't want to get rid of all your Celtic players because so you only make one transfer at a time and Ryan Kent's looking good but Rangers keep not finishing their chances so who do you put in I don't I know think-
1: I, I, uh, Jamie Murphy should be dropped in price uh, quite a bit uh, moving to Hibs because uh, I think he was in the 4.8s or something like that, w- with a Rangers shirt on his back. Yeah. Um. So that should drop. He could be an interesting one. Uh. Because I think he'll probably be a bit of a super sub for for Hebbs Um. Make a transfer next two weeks, man. I think I think a Yeti could be an interesting one to bring in if if you're needing a striker. Because I think he might he might be quite important for Celtic. And considering he scored two in his last two off the bench, um, he he obviously gets into good positions. But that's a high transfer by seven million. Yeah. So I I, I need to do a lot. I need to get rid of two strike. Well, I think. Do not know if I lose in this bit or not? I think Hibs are going to be quite reliant on him as well. But I mean, Jake I think he's getting out. Tramarco's going. <laughs>
2: um... <laughs> I think it's probably fair to say that we are not the best at this, but. Uh the totally Scottish football league, the public league we've got, the top of that is the athletics fantasy football expert, Mark McGettigan. Mark McGettigan, I should say, the FPL general. So maybe we should try and get him on, because he might have some actual advice.
1: I think that would be a good idea. Because yeah. I don't
2: know. I want Captain <laughs> Constant every week.
1: <laughs> Captain you, you, you. Well, at least he follows you now on Twitter, and that'll make you happy for the rest of the season. <laughs> Um, so that's it for this week's show Thanks to Kieran and Laura for joining us We'll be back next Wednesday following Scotland's Two matches against Israel and the Czech Republic Remember you can get yourself An athletic trial for 30 days By heading to theathletic.com Forward slash Scottish show um, And remember you can get that without without Ads if you do that Until then though JJ thank you for keeping me Company thanks to the Little Kicks For their lovely little tune um, And thanks to producer Abby as well Thank you most importantly for listening We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy News Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta, and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy News Media.